0: I think I turned it on Josh, did Yep, okay, good. <laughs> sometimes I don't know, apparently. Uh, I thought I'd gotten pretty good at it, but sometimes I, I still forget um, it, it happens or accidentally turn it off and subconsciously do it, don't even know that I did it. Um, that, that happens as well. Thank you for being here this morning. Um, for those of you that don't know, I don't drink coffee, and so I don't do caffeine stuff in the morning. I, I, I do enjoy a Coke now and again. Sweet tea is my, my beverage of choice, um, but yeah, not in the morning. That's that's no good. And my family and I, we got in about one after one this morning uh, from our son's theatrical production this last week. Thursday or Saturday night was the last show, and they had a little gathering afterwards. So we we stuck around to to bring him home, and um, so hopefully you can't tell that I I didn't go to bed, and then I got up at 6:45, and here we are. Uh, but there will be a nap this afternoon. That's what I can tell you. Guarantee. Last week was an awesome week. Uh, Hopefully several of you got a chance to connect with Kyle and and Caroline. Um, Amazing, amazing people for sure. Uh, So thankful that God uh, brought us together. That kind of happened in a very interesting way, and so um, uh, definitely the hand of God for sure. And uh, what's really, really interesting is how God puts those things together Because what you don't know from behind the scenes is that it was about two months ago-ish, maybe a little more than that, as I was putting together the thoughts and ideas for this series, that I said, hey, that Sunday would be a perfect Sunday for Kyle to come and share about how the transformational church changes the world. That'd be a perfect Sunday for that. Let's see if that works out in their schedule. And it did. And it allowed me then to have this week to love on in the week before families in our congregation that were going through pain and suffering and not have to be um, focused on preparing for Sunday morning. See, God knows these things. He knows they're going to happen. His plans are perfect. It's ours that get a little bit flawed from time to time. And so, um, so excited that they, they were able to share with you last week. And we'll continue to follow up with them and, and develop into a relationship and partnership with them as, as their ministry officially begins. This is the final week of this series of the transformational church series and I'm going to be honest it has truly been a joy to share these these truths about the church with you. So we're going to take a moment here to kind of review each of those weeks before we cap things off at the end of the message today. The very beginning of this series 5 weeks ago now was about the transformational church and how it be, where it begins. It begins with your transformation with my transformation in order for us to, for us to allow god to prepare his church to be what he wants it to be we must first allow him to transform us individually and as he transforms us into the image of his son then he will then shape and create his church into the bride that he desires the bride that he is returning for he gives us our skills our passions, our gifts. He puts them all together and he transforms us into this beautiful bride that he desires us to be. And so the question then becomes for each of us, are we allowing God to transform our lives? Do we daily offer our lives as a living sacrifice to our God? Are we transforming into his image Are we receiving that ever-increasing glory that is given to us through his Holy Spirit? Am I personally devoted to the teachings of Jesus? Am I devoted to the word of God? Am I devoted to the fellowship of believers and to praying together? Paul calls us to examine ourselves. There's a challenge in that for us. To see whether or not we are in the faith. We are to test ourselves. And then he says, Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Of course, unless you fail the test. Second Corinthians 13:5. So we are called to examine ourselves daily to make sure that we're receiving that Spirit and following His guidance. And when you and I allow God to come into our lives through His Spirit, then the change that takes place brings Him glory because it draws other people to His Son. It will bring peace and joy and hope into our lives, and it will allow us then to reach out into this very dark world that we live in remembering that this process is not complete. As a matter of fact, it won't be complete until one day we rest at his side for all eternity. So what that means is we can't just wait around until we suddenly feel good enough or until we feel ready or until we feel equipped to be a part of the church. Jesus wants you right now, wherever you are. He created his bride in order that we could be a part of her the church, unfortunately, will never, ever, ever be perfect. And there's a very good reason for that, starting with me. I'm not perfect. People are imperfect. All of us, I know. some. No, All of us are imperfect. But the awesome thing is the one who gives us life is perfect. Furthermore, his ways, perfect. His thoughts, perfect. His plans, absolutely perfect. His purpose for, cha- for creating the church, flawless. As humans, we fall short of that perfection. But you see, if our pursuit is our Jesus, if our goal is to become more like him, if our plans are to love others like Jesus loved them, and to serve others like Jesus served them, then even when we get it wrong, Jesus can make it right. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, a very famous passage many of you probably are aware of. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit or acknowledge. In all your ways, know God. Admit that He's in charge. He knows best. And when we do, then He alone can make our crooked paths straight. Church, we can't become the transformational church that God desires us to be until we allow him to transform each and every one of us. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then that transformation is well underway if you allow him to. And furthermore, you should be pursuing that change in your life. However, if you've not accepted Jesus, then the church is a great place to begin that transformation. It starts with you individually accepting Jesus Christ as your own, giving your life over to him, admitting that you have sinned because we all have, and admitting that you need a Savior because you cannot save yourself. None of us can. We're called to come to him and receive that forgiveness, that grace, that mercy, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, God dwelling within us, and of course, yes, that gift of eternal life. Now, as humans, I know we like to think we need a plan. Okay, I'd love to do that, but I, I got to figure it out. I got to find a plan. I got to put this all these pieces of the puzzle together. We can't just make a decision without making a plan to put it all together. Together, putting all the details together for the moment when we're finally ready to make that decision for Christ. Now, I will tell you this, that decision for Jesus is the most important decision you will ever make in this lifetime because, quite simply, it's the only decision you will make in this lifetime that lasts for all eternity. If you're here today or you're watching us online, And you're beginning to have some thoughts or questions about this Jesus. Most importantly, if you begin to notice that there is sin in your life, that's called the Holy Spirit. And His primary first purpose is to convict us of our sin in our life because that draws us to our need for a Savior, Jesus. That is the Spirit at work in you today. Don't hesitate. Come to Him today. There is no reason to wait. Let the transformation begin now. The transformational church is full of people who are allowing God to transform them into his image, which just paints a beautiful picture. Then we moved in week two to a second characteristic of the transformational church. This one is that we must be a praying church because prayer leads to transformation. Personal, private prayer, it's essential. It's essential in our spiritual growth and our connection with God. Jesus modeled that prayer life throughout his ministry. But for some reason, the church seems to have lost the focus on corporate or community prayer, all of us praying together. There is power, tremendous power in the church united praying together. Time after time in the New Testament, we and honestly, throughout history, we see God moving in mighty ways in response to the prayers of his people. We must make prayer a priority once again in our family here at Berea. I'm so excited that we've begun this prayer ministry and they're meeting on Wednesday nights during that session. So if you can only be here some of the weeks, that would be a perfect group to go because you're gonna go and you're gonna pray. What an awesome thing to gather and do. And when we pray, we must lift up our praises to him. First and foremost, put God in his rightful place on the throne. We have to do that before anything else. And then absolutely, we are free to offer up our confessions, offer up our requests, cry out to him with our needs, call to him for guidance and direction and protection in this life. We need to go to him. We need to ask him to bless the plans that we have. Father, these plans that you've given us, if there are plans that you are given us, would you please make it crystal clear and obvious? We're asking for your blessing upon what we think you're asking us to do. We should pray for boldness. Boldness in sharing the faith. I love that prayer of the early church. God, help us be more bold in sharing our faith, proclaiming the word of God. And as we move forward, and God gives us opportunities to join together and pray, all of us must join in those opportunities. We have to be a part of it. As God opens your individual eyes to the needs and the opportunities that exist all around us, opportunities and needs that will ultimately bring him glory and honor and bring people to his son, Jesus, we need to gather and we need to pray about those opportunities and those people So don't look at it as just prayer. Don't look at it as just another opportunity to gather. No, no, no. It's definitely not a burden or just something else to do. Think of what prayer truly is. It is the opportunity of a lifetime, an opportunity that is only made available to you and to me through a sacrifice that was made through Jesus offering his life. Did Jesus die in vain? (laughs) Was his death and resurrection not that important? Because that allowed us then this direct line of communication to the throne of God, the creator of the universe. You can go to him and speak directly to him because of what Jesus did for you. We can go to him with our praise. We can go to him with our cries. We can go to him with our requests. All of us must play a role in this all of us. I cannot emphasize that enough. When the opportunity arises for all of us together to pray, you've got to join in with us. It is too important for us as a church, for you as an individual, for the opportunities that we're going to have in this community. And we can pray for yourself. Yes, you can pray for yourself. Did you know that? And you should be. And you can pray for others and you can pray for the church and you can pray for our missionaries and you can pray for the church across the world and you can pray for the people in Turkey and Syria right now after the earthquake and you can pray and pray and pray. There's no end to the list of things that we could pray for and about, especially those that are in need of Jesus within our very own community, the people we have the most direct access to. Just pray that God will bring one person across your path this week that doesn't know him, that you can show his love to. Just one, just pray for one. That, that's plenty for the moment. And see what God will do. Are you bold enough to pray that prayer that God will specifically provide someone this week for you? Because the third week in that series was when Ken spoke and the transformational church is constantly seeking opportunities to share Christ with the Christless world. We are called to love others with the love of Jesus. Here's the problem. Most people we talk to don't know Jesus. have no idea what the love of Jesus even is. So we gather at least once a week. We hear the word of God. We worship our living God. We hopefully better understand his teachings and the ways of Jesus. But then as Ken said a few weeks ago, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if we take all of that in, but we don't take it out and go live it out. If we do not become more like Jesus daily, if we do not change, that was that time to shudder change, oh my, or if we're not willing to change. Those that are apart from Jesus face an eternity with only two options, either life or eternal death. We know the way that leads to life. We have the only hope that lasts in this world. We have the answer for guilt And shame. We know the source of grace that we must all rely upon, but are we willing to share that with the world that is in such great need all around us? Then last week, Kyle talked about the transformational church and the reality that the transformational church should be changing the world. He gave us three simple steps. We must care, we must share, and it's gotta be filled with prayer. A common theme through this series. We've got to care first. We've got to let the people around us know how much we care about them. It opens the door to allow them to listen to us when we then share why. Why do we care? We care because of our Jesus. We can't just throw Jesus at them. That doesn't work. Very few people will respond to that. But just like Jesus did when you meet physical needs, especially of those people, you must then follow that with an opportunity to share the gospel. And they'll be much more receptive to it because they know you're serious, you care. They aren't just words being spoken. We don't have to look far for this example, Jesus' words to the apostles in the very end of Matthew 28, 19, the Great Commission, if you will. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Go. The transformational church must be changing the world, both immediate around them and then beyond. And as a transformational church, we specifically here need to focus on two things, and there's a very specific order to that. We focus on Jesus first and others second. It has to be in that order. We focus on Jesus as the Son of God, all that He did, all that He taught, all that He chose to go through in order to save you, And me. We cannot stray from his teachings. We cannot stray from his examples. We cannot alter his commands. We must remain in his love and his grace and in his truth. Jesus is an all or nothing kind of guy. You're either all in or you're out. That's just how it works. We humans, of course, we think we know better. We can ride the fence. Now, if you've ever done that, you know it's highly uncomfortable in reality. (laughs) So we pick and we choose which commands of Jesus we would like to follow, which teachings of his we agree with, which ones we think might actually benefit us or help us in life, which ones we might want to leave off to the side because they might be just a little offensive to those around us. I hate to tell you this, but you and I, we don't have the power to do that. Nor does Jesus give us the freedom to do that. He tells us very specifically we are his disciples if we love another. That's where he begins. Oh, that's all we have to do is love one another. Yeah, like that's an easy thing. Yeah, yeah, whatever. But I thought this was about his teachings and his commands. Well, yes, yes, it is. Remember, Jesus also said, if you love me, you will keep my commands. What commands? Great question. He Happened to mention that to us as well. He basically said, um, real quick, all of them. That that was his his command, all of them. But he made it really. I can't remember all ten of those. What are you talking? Okay, so he simplified it and he gave us two, just two. He sums it up very neatly in Matthew twenty-two. Jesus replied, two commands: love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and um, love your neighbor as yourself. Love God with all you have, and love your neighbor. Okay. Well, who's my neighbor? Everyone, of course. But Jesus didn't leave it there, and you know that. He made it really specific. He said, well, yes, everyone, including, oh, yeah, your enemies. That's all. That's all you've got to do in order to be his disciple. Now, this is a hard teaching. Maybe you don't agree. This is a hard teaching. This is not easy. How could we possibly hold to it? Well, you see, there's only one way. There's only one way with his help. We have to have it. We have to focus on Jesus first and others second. It's only through the heart of Jesus that we could possibly love some people that are around us. It's true. Our motivation to serve others, because it's not always easy, must be what Jesus did to serve us. Our desire to love others must be rooted in his great love for us. No matter how hard we try, we cannot love others more. Than what Jesus does. But we absolutely could find ourselves loving others more than we love Jesus. And that's a problem. Our driving force behind our love for others is our love for Jesus. His love for us is our example. That's what we must follow because this love will transform us individually, just as we talked about earlier. And then that personal transformation will transform us as a church, as the bride of Christ. And that's why we, the transformational church, must change. We will never become who God wants us to be by remaining who we are. Transformation literally means to change. We look at this the lens of God's Word two weeks ago on on January 29th, if for some reason you weren't able to be here on that day, would you please, please, please go back and listen to that message? It's too important to who we have to be as a transformational church. We must change our methods. We must change the tools we use. We must change the ways that we reach out as the culture around us changes. But what the beautiful, beautiful thing is, our message will never, ever change. The truth of Jesus Christ will never change. Remember, to change the truth, of course, makes it a lie. We can't do that. So it makes the messaging really easy. It's always the same. And people will continually be drawn to his truth the hope found only in Jesus Christ. We must be wise in our times. We must understand what's going on around us. And then we've got to be ready to adapt to those needs ever-changing all around us. God will give us dreams. God will give us visions. God will give us passions. God will give us gifts. And all of these things will guide us through this change that he alone is calling us to. Does that excite you? I sure hope it does. I sure hope it does. It's the reason I can go to bed after one o'clock and be here and in plenty of energy and full of it with all of you because I'm so excited about what God is doing in my life and what he's doing in your life and what he's doing in the life of his body here at Berea. It's easy to do that. And if you haven't really thought about it this way, imagine it like this. Think about the fact that God is calling you and God is calling me to be a part of his plan to help lead a movement that bring people to his son, Jesus. If if that doesn't remind you of how valuable you are, how important you are to God, then I don't know what will. We're not called to simply exist here on this little corner a mile outside of Brazil. We are called to be a shining city on a hill That draws people to Jesus. And since this is our calling, now I get to the main part of today's message. As I wrote this a few weeks ago, I genuinely struggled. I could not exactly figure out what God wanted me to say, how he wanted me to say it. How did God want me to wrap this series up? I I believe he gave me the main point, the main idea, and that is this. The transformational church is not afraid to fail. But, but as I thought about it more and more, I kept asking the question, why? Why aren't we afraid to fail? Why isn't the church afraid to fail? Maybe I should say it this way. Why shouldn't the church be afraid to fail? So let's look at it from a personal level to start with, and then we'll get to the bigger picture. It's quite likely that there is some people listening today that are a little afraid of failure at some level. Yes? A couple of you, maybe? I read a survey. I looked, I tried to find something really recent. 2015 was the the most recent one I could find, but probably the numbers haven't changed a lot. 31% of people, according to this study, had a, a really bad fear of failure. It's the number one reason why people will not try new things. If there's a chance that it might fail, well, of course, why bother? Right? That's the way we humans look at things. This fear. Is actually what probably prevents a lot of us from sharing Jesus with someone. The fear of failing. What if they reject us? What if they ridicule us? What if they're no longer my friend or they don't enjoy working with me or whatever? Now, if you've spent any time with me, especially if you've been in, in one of the groups that I've, I've led on a Wednesday night, you know I hate what if. Questions, because they have no answer, none for the most part. They're a barrier. They're a barrier that keep us from doing things. In this case, the ones that I just asked have absolutely no answer. It's unknown. You can't assume anything about sharing Jesus, because remember, you're just following God's direction. The Holy Spirit is the one at work in the other person. That's not your responsibility. God just uses you to light up that light bulb in their head and they connect the dots between what this thing is inside of them and what you share with them. We can't predict the outcome of sharing Jesus with people. But here's the thing. What if, I flipped those questions just a little bit. What if you shared Jesus with them and they accepted him? What if they come to love him? What if they give their life to Jesus? Do we know the answers to those what if questions? Every single one of them. Absolutely, we do. If they accept Jesus, their eternity is forever changed, is it not? They will be forgiven of their sin. They will be born again, raised to walk a new life. They will be given the gift of the Holy Spirit and share eternity with Jesus in heaven. Yeah, if we share and they accept, that's we know the answer to that what if question. So our fear of failure just might be the thing that guarantees that we won't be the one to help them meet Jesus. That's the only guarantee we have. And it's a guarantee to fail. I want to tie two passages together before we move to the closing Bible story for today. A lot of us might be familiar with Paul's words in Ephesians 2, chapter 10, one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. What a great reminder it is for anyone struggling especially. For we are God's handiwork, or some translations say masterpiece. I like that word way better. Love that word. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do This is truth. In Christ, you are a masterpiece. If no one's told you that lately, remind yourself of this. You are a creation of God. You are beautiful in his eyes. And Christ Jesus, God in particular, has prepared good works for us to do. And yes, some of those good works involve sharing his son Jesus with other people. He's already preparing those people for you to share his son with. Have you ever thought about that? The Holy Spirit is already at work sharing, getting those people prepped and ready for the moment you get the chance to share Jesus with them. So what if you didn't share Jesus with that person? What if you felt that prompting and you just shut it down because you might fail? Well, this is where James four seventeen kicks in. If anyone knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, that's sin. That's sin for them. When we know we should share Jesus and we do not, that is sin. So in this case, failure, fear of failure is sin. Ponder that. Our text today, we're going to look at someone who failed. He failed miserably out on the road. Now, we don't know the details surrounding this event. It's not officially recorded. There's some church legends and history and things, but Scripture doesn't record all of the details of what really happened. Here's what we know. It was a failure so bad that it led to a fallout between a couple of incredibly God-fearing, incredible missionaries in the early church. But you see, God is faithful, even in our failure, if We're still pursuing Him. A temporary failure does not have to bring our journey to an end. The story is of two men, one named Barnabas and another named John Mark. It's briefly told in the New Testament. The event takes place somewhere after Acts chapter 15, where the church is radically changing one of its policies, if you will. We shared that with you a couple weeks ago, January 29th. If you didn't get a chance to listen, please go back and do Paul and Barnabas were out on the road together. This is Acts chapter 15, verse 36. And Paul was being led to go back and visit all the believers in all the towns where they preached the word of God and see how they were doing. I love that sentence because it tells us something about the heart of Paul. He wasn't just this incredible driven church planting machine. No, 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 no. Paul wanted to go back. And he understood the importance of caring for those churches and those people that he trained and left behind in all, pe- all of those places. He cared about their faith. And as they were leaving to go on this journey together, Barnabas, his partner, had a simple request. Hey, Paul, can we take John Mark with us? But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. Now, we don't know the circumstances officially surrounding Mark's departure. We don't really know the details behind it. But in somehow, some way, John Mark had failed. He found out that maybe ministry was really hard. <laughs> maybe it was just too physically tough for him out on the road. He was obviously a younger gentleman because it can be physically and emotionally exhausting. And then, of course, there's the spiritual side of it as well. Those battles can certainly take a toll on a person serving in ministry. Probably many of us have experienced that before. But does it mean that we should not fight? John Mark failed, and he failed so badly that Paul didn't even want to serve alongside him. It says in verse 39, it led to such a sharp disagreement that Paul and Barnabas parted ways. They didn't go out together. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Sicilia, strengthening the churches. Did you see what God happened to do through that failure though? This absolutely should have limited Paul's ability and Barnabas' ability to share the gospel. But what ended up happening was it actually multiplied it. Paul chose a man named Silas and they went out to share the good news. Barnabas sought out John Mark. And before John Mark would go out on them, I know Barnabas had to strengthen John Mark in the Lord. He had to give him a little bit of encouragement, kind of reinstate him, if you will, into the ministry. And then they set out to share the gospel. Two missionary teams instead of just one, double the impact. A split because of a failure led to the restoration of a man that helped him overcome his failure and inspired him to get back on the road with Barnabas. Perfect example, great context for Romans eight twenty eight. All things God works for the good of those who love him, even a failure in this case, who've been called according to his purpose. They were pursuing Jesus in what they did. Now on a side note, before we move on, it's very important for you to know this. In Paul's very last letter, likely, 2 Timothy 4, verse 11, listen to his words. He says, only Luke is with me. But could you get Mark and bring him with you? Because he is helpful to me in my ministry. Who's this Mark? This is John Mark. The one that he wouldn't travel with because he had deserted them. He's been restored. That failure wasn't the end for this John Mark. And now he's useful once again to Paul. Mark had regained the trust of Paul so much so that he didn't just acknowledge him, he asked for his presence with him. That's powerful. That's a powerful statement that you could easily miss if you didn't know that happened later on. Church, we can't be afraid to fail. We can't. Ministry's tough. (laughs) Ministry's tough. However, it can also be the most rewarding thing you will ever be a part of in this lifetime. Ministry is also a privilege It's not an inherent right to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus. God alone gives us this privilege. 2 Corinthians 5.19 is a great reminder of exactly what we are to do. God has committed us to his message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us because that's exactly what he's doing. He is making his appeal for Jesus through your life and your words, and your actions around all of the people that you interact with every single day. And he implores us on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. We are ambassadors for Jesus. We literally represent Jesus to everyone around us. When you're in line at the store, when you're ordering food at the restaurant, when you're frustrated in traffic, you are an ambassador for Jesus. How do you act? It's not a joke. I'm being deadly serious. Because we need to be representing Jesus at all times. Like any ambassador, our job is to promote His interests in this world, in this country. We are to promote His interests so that people get to know Him better through us. We must stand up for His ways as the world wages war against them. Is it hard? Uh Uh-huh. But He's with us. And it is a privilege and an honor to carry this banner. Every one of us must do just that. We must carry his banner from this building to every part of the earth that we go to throughout this next week. And we need all of you to do this, plus the more that Jesus brings. As each of us serve as Christ's ambassador, God will bring those to us in need of grace those that need his love, those that need his mercy, those in need of healing, those in need of forgiveness, those who have been deceived by the lies of the world, they will come and they will experience and hear the truth of God's word. And it will take all of us to share this with them, all of us to help serve them, all of us to help love them. All of us must play an active role in what's going on in a transformational church. You can't leave others to do the job for you. That's not how it works. So who's invited to be a part of this transformation? Well, everyone. Everyone. Here's the really important part. Even if you've failed in the past. Because if you have, join the crowd. You're not the only one. Just like John Mark, who seemingly abandoned the entire ministry was restored by Barnabas. You too can and should be restored. The church must be willing to restore you and you must be willing to be restored. We must come before our Jesus. We must ask for forgiveness and then be willing to be restored. It cannot be forced upon you. You have to have that desire within you and you have to commit to being a part of the transformation Do not, this happens in churches, I know it does, do not let anyone tell you that your past failures mean that you're disqualified from serving Jesus Christ or sharing the gospel. It's true. It's true that even though God offers complete and total forgiveness for every sin, there may still be some worldly consequences We know that, don't we? Things that we have to live through because of choices, decisions that we've made. Do not let those consequences discourage you. Do not let those consequences humiliate you in any way. Any more than what Paul was discouraged by his history. All Paul did was try to destroy and eliminate the church. He could have easily used that as a, you know, I probably shouldn't be the one sharing the gospel. But God used him anyway. He saved him, he called him, and he used him in a mighty way. You have been created to serve God. If you are in Christ, you have been named, saved to serve God. And you cannot be afraid to fail. This morning, we've we've talked about these characteristics. We reviewed them all. Each of them are vital to the change that God wants in us. We must allow the Spirit of God to transform us individually into the image of Jesus. Our lives must more and more reflect Jesus, our love for others and for his bride, the church must be the exact same as that of Jesus. We've got to focus on Jesus first as a church and then focus on people in that order. We must put a very heavy emphasis on prayer, both individual, personal, private prayer, as well as corporate, group, church, body, gathered together, praying for one another and the things that God is calling us to do. There is so much power in prayer We've got to fully rely on that power to sustain us and to lead us toward who God wants us to be. We must share this Jesus with the world around us that does not know him. He will open the doors. All we have to do is walk through. He will put people in our path. He will give us opportunities. We just must be willing. The transformational church must be willing to change We must be willing to try new things. We must know intimately the culture around us so that we can perceive the needs that exist and then help meet those needs through the good news of Jesus the same way he did when he walked this earth. Church, if we're serious, if we're serious about all that it's going to require of us, the role that we must play, then we cannot be afraid to fail. We must be willing to leave behind anything, and I mean anything, that keeps us from moving forward in the direction that God is calling us. The mission of seeking and saving the lost is too important to allow the fear of change to get in the way, because we don't know exactly what all God is calling us to do. We have some ideas, we have some things that he's given us, and we are praying thoroughly over those things right now, will you too pray that God makes our path crystal clear? Will you pray about the role you should be playing right now in this transformation? And will you pray about the role you might play in the future? Transformational churches will challenge those that attend to accept Jesus and begin that transformation Into him, transformational churches will challenge you to pray, to pray, to pray, and to pray. And when you're done praying, pray some more. Paul tells us to pray without ceasing. And he means it. Transformational churches will challenge you to share your faith with others. They will challenge you to be faithful. It won't be rude to ask, hey, where you been? We've missed you. We want you to be faithful to gathering together with the body of Christ. The transformational church will challenge you to serve those in need to give, and obviously to change the world. At the very beginning of today, I told you that I struggled for a couple weeks as I began writing this message, but I didn't tell you why I struggled. I left that out. Somebody in the room is still wondering, I wonder why he was struggling. It didn't seem like that was... (laughs) To me, it seems a bit overconfident to say that the transformational church is not afraid to fail. It kind of sounds like I'm saying that no matter what we do, that, that, that we'll be successful. While there's some truth to that, we'll get to that here in a second. That's not my intent. That's not my intent. As I continue to write, God continued to reveal this message to me. He opened my eyes to the reason that I can boldly make the claim that the transformational church is not afraid to fail because love never And that's all we're bringing is his love. It is the love of Jesus that compels us each and every day to try everything we can to reach a lost and dying world around us. We can't out-care God. We can't out-love God. We can't have more patience than God. We can't out-give God. So that would mean we can't care too much, we can't love too much, we can't have too much patience, and we can't give too much. We can't outthink God, we can't get ahead of God. Now, there's a few bad things we can do. Oh, absolutely, we could choose not to listen. We could definitely choose not to listen. We could choose not to obey His call upon our individual lives and upon us as a church. Oh, we could certainly choose not to trust Him. That'd be easy to do. But a transformational church, you see, will fight against those things. Do we believe, Proverbs 16, 3, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and He will establish your plans? He will provide success if you're committed to Him as a church. We seek to transform lives through whatever means God makes available to us. And this transformation takes place because of the love of God and what He's given us through His incredible sacrifice. Made through his son, Jesus. And it is his perfect love that casts out all fear. The transformational church is not afraid of anything. Father God, as we come before you, those prayers of the early church, they they prayed for boldness in speaking your word. Oh, how I wish that we would do the same. The transformation that would take place if all of those gathered and listening this morning were willing to pray that prayer. God, give me boldness to seek and save the lost. Give me boldness in my prayer life. Make me specific in what I'm praying for. Give us boldness as a church to seek out the needs around us and to meet those needs in whatever way possible in order to share your love and your story with those that have no hope in this lost world. Father, pray that we long to be a transformational church. We long to have your literal hand transforming us daily, transforming our thoughts, our decisions, our hearts, our attitudes towards those around us. Father, we, we seek your complete guidance in every one of these areas. We know you alone are our leader, that the truth that we teach and share will never, ever change in this ever-changing world around us that's going to fight us everywhere possible. We will not change in that way. But Father, if there's anything in the way keeping us from changing in the ways you want us to change, if there's any barrier, any obstacle, any golden calf, as they would say, that's in the way to keep us from reaching the way we need to reach then Father, would you remove that? Would you burn that idol to the ground? Would you help us focus wholly and completely upon you? Father, there's people that have joined us maybe for some time and they're wondering, what kind of church is this? that these last few weeks fully describe this is the church we long to be. We won't be perfect at it because we're human, but Father, this is who we desire to be. We want to follow you in every way. Father, make that clear to those folks, and we pray that they consider the idea of, of joining us. It will take all of us and more to accomplish the tasks you have set before us, the good works you have prepared those of Berea Christian Church to do. Father, they're only just beginning they started way back a long, long time ago and you've always got them right before us. And we just must rise up with your strength and meet those needs. Father, we pray for more to join us as this movement begins. And Father, if there are those that are, are listening today and are like, man, <laughs> they seem to really believe what they're, what they're saying. They, they seem to really trust in you. Who is this Jesus? Jesus. What did he do again for me? I pray there's anyone that, that has not accepted you yet. I pray that your spirit moves them to a place where they first understand how much you love them. And that love opens their eyes to the reality of their life and their need for you. Would you move them to come and accept your son as their Lord and Savior. That's why we're here, to seek and save the lost. Father, we love you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you most of all for your Son and the sacrifice He made for each and every one of us.
1: transform this world in his earthly ministry we can transfer transform the world around us a transformational church changes the world during Jesus's ministry on earth he did many great things just think about it he healed the sick he gave sight to the blind he raised the dead, he fed the thousands, he calmed the seas, he commanded the winds to stop. But there was one thing Jesus could not do that you and I can do. Jesus knew that. In fact, in John fourteen twelve, Jesus stated, you will do greater things than these because I am going to the Father. What can we do that Jesus could not do? What can we do that Jesus could not do? We can stand before a dark world and say, I am a sinner saved by the grace of God. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I was bound, but now I'm free. As we come into fellowship with Christ through communion, we come into fellowship with each other in a unique and deep way. All believers stand on the same ground at the foot of the cross as forgiven sinners who possess eternal life within us. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you for this opportunity to participate in communion we thank you for the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. Help us to reflect on our spiritual condition. Forgive us our sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Jesus took the bread, gave thanks for it, and broke it saying, take and eat. This is my body. When they had eaten the bread, Jesus took the cup containing the fruit of the vine, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins.
0: to a time of worship this morning i really encourage you guys to if you guys need prayer if you guys are dealing with something right now maybe it's a sickness mental or physical his healing power is here so please don't hesitate to come up here and we have plenty of people ready to pray for you we taught you guys this song last month it's called fear is not my future and um it's near and dear to me and i really hope you guys can really enter in this morning So if you guys would, let's stand together and let's sing praises to him.